Welcome back, Athlete Podcast. I, I am fired up, dude. We got look, Coy. I, I gotta tell you something. I've been following your work for a little while now, and and um, mindset and mental prep training is something that I've been terribly interested in as as of late. Mm-hmm. Um, and and before we even get to that. Let's let's talk a little bit about you and and what you do specifically for Cal Poly and what you do in general. Yeah, yeah, no, I I feel like I've evolved into this position. Uh, a lot of what I do, you you categorize it into this mindset kind of kind of bucket. Um, but a lot of what I'm trying to do is help these guys get the right habits and rituals in place, so these dudes can go out and I call it free up. Like I, I want help guys free up not only in competition but like in their lives. And so, um, it was about, it was probably, I won't talk about everything about with, with Cal Poly, but we will talk about that in a second, but like, it was probably a year and a half ago that I went to John and man, I just had this idea in my head. I was working with businesses a lot, doing a lot of keynote talks. And a lot of what I was talking about was just these habits that had literally like transformed and changed my life. They weren't things that I had as a college wrestler and hindsight, I looked back and I thought, man, I really struggled because I didn't have the psychology part of it in place. And so I'm working with businesses. And I now realize the reason I wasn't working with um, athletics is because I had some baggage that I hadn't unwound. And I had some you know, past pains that I hadn't dealt with. But I got to the point with John, I, I got to the point where I'm like, man, I want to do this with, with, with teams. And John was a guy, I'd, I've been working with John for probably seven years on just leadership and personal development and growth. And um, and so I wanted to do this and I went to John, I'm like, man, like, I really think this is a space. Like I explained to him why, and John is this dude though. He'll like, he's open to stuff. He's like, let's give it a shot. He's like, let's go, man. What do you have in mind? And I said, well, like, let's gauge your team's interest. And so we went in and talked to them. And, and really what I did is I just talked to him about habits and I, I talked to him the importance of like, listen, we, we in sport business, like we have all these great strategies, right? Coaches can teach techniques so well, you got these training plans, but even if you study a lot of coaches, a lot of the best coaches will say, oh, so much is mental. Tony Robbins, one of the best performance coaches in the country, says that, you know, strategy uh, when it comes to success, 20 percent comes to strategy, 80 percent comes to psychology. And so we've heard that from these experts, from coaches. You look at what Penn State has done. And really, when it came down to it, I told John, I'm like, we just we have to we have to teach them this. We have to learn this. And, um, and it was just something I was passionate about. So I think what I do is I try to help people get the right pieces in place. Um, so they can not only thrive, but love their lives. I, I was, I just got up with Trevor and I was telling him like, man, what's the point of doing this? If we don't love it, even the pac 12s, if we don't love competing at the pac 12s, why are we doing this? And John's okay with me saying this. He, he believes the same things, but that's what we're trying to help them do. Love, love wrestling, love their lives, wanting to get up, wanting to live all out. And so it's a pretty lofty thing, but that's a lot of what I'm trying to do is just help people free up in their lives. What, um, what baggage did you have personally that was holding you back from working with athletes? Well, I mean, when I went through college, a lot of what I did is I, I overvalued winning too much. It literally, my self-worth was based on winning. And this is a lot of what you see with young athletes and athletes at the college level is like, they're, they don't, nobody ever sits down and says, Oh, I value winning. I only value winning. And, uh, when I lose, um, I'm just going to beat myself up. Like nobody actually chooses that and the pain that comes from it and the fear that comes from it. But that was my model, man. I, I needed to win. My self-worth was based on winning. When I lost, I was tremendously hard on myself. 
And what happened with that is I told I tell the guys this. I'm like every year after nationals, wrestled in four national championships. Every year, even the year I was an All-American, I was so disappointed in myself afterwards. Like so disappointed. Literally for like weeks and months, I would just feel like I'd fail. I'd feel like I was worthless, honestly. And and it made me dislike wrestling really so much. Like I, I, it was a sport I love coming in and I learned to just not like it at all. And the amount of fear that I had. And so I got done with college. I knew nothing about processing emotions. I knew nothing about processing pain. And so I moved forward. And when my model is still about winning, well, guess what? You run into situations where you fall short. And when you fall short, you not only feel the disappointment of that moment, you get all of the previous moment. Cause it just so happens that our brain is really, really good at paying attention to when, when we go through pain. And when we go through pain, our brain goes, oh, I don't think I like that. So when you handle things wrong and, and, and your brain goes through disappointment for three weeks after nationals, your brain goes, what caused that? It goes, wrestling caused that. And then it doesn't want wrestling anymore. It's very, very kind of simple the way our brains work. And so I didn't process any of that. And I moved forward. And guess what? My brain didn't want to go back and work with athletes until I learned to unwind some of my pain, some of my baggage. And that required like kind of going inward and acknowledging some emotions, learning to free those things up. And when I did that, it, I felt a lot lighter. And guess what? I wanted to go back and work with athletes again. And I also wanted to help them dig in because I knew that it made me feel lighter. I learned to love what I was doing. I learned to change my whole operating system and everything I was doing. And when you change your life in that way, and it just makes a radical change in everything that you're doing, you're like, dang, like, what if these kids could know this at 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 years old? Just imagine how much pain they could avoid. And then you st I started to realize through my life, I started to realize how much I started to love speaking and coaching because I shifted everything. Um, but I just had, my pains were from wrestling. My pains were from losing, um, getting denied tenure at the University of North Carolina and losing my job. Um, we don't tend to do emotions in our society. And when you don't do emotions, you're going to build up a lot of, a lot of pain and fear in your lives. So I don't know if that gets at exactly what you were thinking, but that's carrying a lot of the stuff. Um, all right. So then let's shift to how you work with the athletes mm -hmm. now. No, and this, and it's profound when you say it, but it's duh when you say it at the same time nobody yeah. puts down on their goal sheet i want to win well no yeah. kidding man yeah and, and and nobody certainly no one will speak to a performance coach or a mindset coach and and write down i am win oriented yeah. no one will do that we no. we, we no. have we have already decided that so yeah. how is it that you what characteristics and traits do you look for in an athlete that tell you, dude, this kid is placing way too much emphasis on the W? Yeah, uh, it, it's, it's, it can be slightly different with different guys. But one thing that you see, and coaches know it, we know it, just tightness, right? Tightness in competition. A guy who can go into the practice room and really look super good, and then he goes out on the mat, and it's like, whoa, this is a different dude. I mean, so... I think there's there's visibly seeing that coaches see it, we see it. Um, so I think there's that, like the performance. You can tell when guys are tight, especially when you know them really well. So that's one thing. Another thing that I look for is like, what are they doing on the back end of matches? How do they handle losses? What do they do with it? Are they disappointed? Are they upset? What's their body language like? Because if they're super disappointed and upset, they're pound. A lot of times they're just they're beating themselves up. Well, 
that's going to lead to a lot of that that pain. And so, but what I'm on a one-on-one -on -one basis, um, a lot of times I'm what I'm looking for is that when we're having conversations, like what are the things they're talking about? Because if I sit down in a very first meeting and I say, what do you want to accomplish? And they say, oh, what I care about is winning, winning this, winning that, like that to me right off the bat, it's going, okay, like we're, good chance we're going to run into some issues here, right? Because mm -hmm. even, even the top guys that I work with, they don't actually like focusing on only winning a national title. That, that tightens them up. They know it when you're only focused on that. And I, and I, I'm not naive. I know there's some guys that can take it to a really far level and handle that level of like fear and they can dial it in. But most guys, they don't, they don't like that. They don't want that. They might be winning, but they're not enjoying it. And, um, and so I can, a lot of times I can see it. A lot of times athletes, when they trust you, they can, you can quickly find out, are you enjoying yourself? Nope. Sure. Not like, and when they trust you, they will tell you, no, I'm not enjoying it at all. Like, I don't want to go into practice. Like, they, I mean, it's it's so easy to like really see when you're talking to somebody, but only probably because I work in this space and I'm looking for it. Um, but but the telltale is like, hey, what's the difference between practice and competition? How are they handling themselves afterwards? If you ask them their goals, do they say anything about process? Do they, do they mention anything about wanting to become the best version of themselves? Because that... The process orientation is something that is elevating guys' performance, but not adding a lot of the pain. And so um, there's there's a lot of those things. But I think one of the biggest things too is athletes know it too. They they know when they're not competing the way they want to compete. It's not it's not difficult. You can find that gap really quick. And so that do they do they deliberately lie to you at first ever? Uh, they I don't know that I would call it lying, but I would say that they will often sometimes tell you what they think you want to hear. Right? right. That's a common thing. They've got a, they've had coaches and they regurgitate and coaches love some coaches. If they, if they love what the way they sound, then they love it when you regurgitate it back. But it's like, I don't want them to do that. Like I don't, it doesn't do me any good. I'm not in this for feeling good about myself. At least I've, I've worked hopefully hard to get rid of that. Like I, and I've told John this when I'm working with Cal Poly's guys, I'm like, I'll, I'll notice that and I'll go, I feel like he's trying, he's telling me what I want to hear. And, and what I have to do in those instances is I have to push on him a little bit. I have to go in deeper and go, no, no, no. Like, I know you're telling me everything's good, but I watched you wrestle and you seem tight. Like, are you tight? Like, and, and then they'll be like, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. Okay. Well, and then I have to propose this to him. I said, okay, if practice you wrestles match you, who wins? And they're like, oh, practice me. Would it be close? No, it wouldn't be close. And then, okay, well, well, well why then? Like, because if you propose the right question to them, they'll go, mm, yeah, it has to be because I'm tight. I'm like, yeah, you, you've got fear, right? We, we know you have fear. And then, so, so sometimes you, yeah, so that does absolutely happens. I don't think it's because, I don't think it's for the wrong reasons most of the time with my guys. It's for one of two reasons. It's, it's, they want to, they want to please. Two is if they've never done emotions, they may not even know what they're feeling. They, they may have no idea that they're getting tight and they're jittery because because of old pains and and certain things that have built up and a lot of guys when you when you when you're in a sport like wrestling we don't we don't cry we don't do emotions like that we don't do that stuff well when you've been taught that not only in wrestling but as a man and you don't do emotions you won't even know what emotions you're feeling and so teaching these guys to really acknowledge and notice where they are teaching them to be okay with like doing emotions like the biggest, strongest dudes, when they start doing emotions, they end up becoming stronger. They end up becoming better. They can unwind their fears and go out and start to really compete the way they want to compete. 
Um, so I do think that that happens though. I, I, I imagine there are probably some rare times where I, there are guys that you end up not working with extensively who might just tell you that and it doesn't work. But the guys I've dug with on Cal Poly's team, super intelligent, um, very mature. Sometimes it's just a lack of awareness of emotions. Maybe they're really, really good technically, but they've never done anything emotionally. And so teaching them that is something that we have to do. How do you, how do you get these kids to kind of open up and and be willing to share with you and and really yeah. dive into some of these hard topics uh without uh, i don't know i imagine that like there has to be a willingness on their part right yeah. or is it something where you're able to just dig with with you know the right questions to get them to open up and, and yeah all these kids i would say first off they have to have there has to be some initial buy-in they're not going to have any random dude come in and they're gonna, just going to spill things on you that's not the way it works but if you walk into the room and you're a wrestling person off the bat that helps you if you've had success in wrestling that helps you they know that you know what they're going through that goes a long ways but that's why john has always been adamant he's never forced it on any of his guys and he said hey if we're going to do this you, you need to come in and talk to them you know they need to buy into who you are and what you are so John, and of course, John set it up for me. He said, we've been working for a long time. He's helped me a lot. And so that was super useful, like that credibility. But I had to go in and I had to sell a vision. I had to talk to them about some of the things that allowed that caused me to fail. I had I had to really talk about some of the emotions that I dealt with. And and I think when you present that and you get an initial buy in, what happened in that instance is there were some guys right away on that team that wanted to jump in with you. There were some others who I'm so close with now who are like, nope, not ready yet. Like, they, I mean, they're, I talked to them, we, we joke about it because they were like, no, no, at the beginning, I was like, I'm not doing that. Uh, because in this space, it's like they think they think mindset means there's something wrong with them. But initially, what I had to do is get to know them. Now, with that being said, if there's some trust, if they believe that you can help them, some of these guys are ready to talk about emotions. Younger generations are ready to talk about emotions faster than you would think. Now, there's some that are like, hard no, we're not doing that. Let's talk about goals. Let's talk about rituals. But you'd be surprised how many of them actually want to dig in and, and really talk about, yeah, no, I, I definitely feel tight. And, um, and so there's some that go that route who are ready to jump into it. There's others who it takes a lot of weeks. You know, there's a lot of weeks of talking about, okay, let's we're talking about breath work and how that can change and rewire your brain we're talking about gratitude and how that can help you and then you know these things will help so you just set them up with habits and they go out and they start to really establish these things and then they'll go dang like this is really working and then when there's that trust then you can really dig in there is one piece that never happens right off the bat never i've never been able to do it right off the bat and that's when you go and you find their biggest triggers okay semifinals of a tournament, um, even just preseason for certain guys, it's competition for others. But when you find the moments where they're they're freezing up in a way and you start to connect it to past pains, none of them, they'll even know where it comes from. You, you'll have a guy where it's so, so obvious, but they'll be like, nope. I mean, nobody wants to go back to their old their old past pains right off the bat. Nobody, nobody's willingly voluntarily re ready to go and revisit something that was hard. And the reason why it was hard, it was painful. It was disappointing. They felt embarrassed. They felt ashamed. That's a hard pass at the beginning. But if you can keep kind of working through giving them tools to process what's going on in their mind and their emotions in real time, they build up. And then eventually they'll get to a point where they really, really want to break through and, and reach a new level. And when that time comes and they're willing, as a coach, you really got to move them into it, not force them, but really move them into it. 
but that's an area there's nobody that wants to move into that even with a tremendous amount of um, of trust you've got to be really really creative with with helping them um realize that they can do that work they can free that up there's going to be some crazy benefits on the other side in terms of their quality of life but um but in terms of like overall stress and anxiety kids are kids are they're right off the bat they'll say oh yeah i've got anxiety about practice i've got anxiety about like about tests and stuff it's the deeper stuff that takes time mm. um so and tony robbins brings it up mm-hmm. you know other other gurus of, of sport like yogi berra right you know, mm-hmm. winning is 90 percent half mental well we've all we've known this for decades yeah we've known it for decades right and only now are we slowly slowly yeah. starting to address it what took so long well i i just think i've thought about this a lot in our society um mindset mentality emotions are seen as weakness i mean that, that's the biggest barrier right off the bat in fact a lot of times i see this because i'll have these high school parents that will reach out to me right and they'll go oh i, I think it'd be great if you'd work with my kid and i'll say have you talked to your kid about it because like if you have talked to your kid like this may be a non-starter like and, and, and so it happens a lot it's never the kids never the kids never reach out first it's always the parents yeah. and i'll go to them i'll say go talk to them but be sure to be clear tell them that this is somebody who works with them to enhance their mindset, to help them um, excel in big moments. And yes, we're we're gonna get to the stuff that's holding them up and their parents see it, but there's a, there's a negative association with anybody who does mindset. And now it's changing. And I think Kale Sanderson and Penn State has helped tremendously with that because they do that extremely well. And everybody's going, they're doing something different and everybody wants to figure that out. But there's just a negative connotation with, with mm. mindset, with emotions. And yet those are the keys to digging in and realizing your highest potential. Listen, you can have the best strategy in the world. And if your psychology is not there, it won't matter. Guys freeze up in big moments. You can be so good technically. You can teach them the best low single. And if they go out there and they have past pains and they have these triggers and their nervous system kicks on, well, guess what? There's no blood flow to their prefrontal cortex. Because of that, they will not think clearly. They're in a, they're in a, a freeze or flight like situation. And so they can't execute. And so I think what you have to be able to do is you have to be able to get in in this mindset space and help them establish this, the types of habits to rewire their brains, change the way they're thinking, give them the foundations to where they can actually go in and learn to let go of past things. And, and that's what you want to be able to do. But like, listen, even on Cal Poly, none of these kids on this college team, when you walk in are like itching hundred percent of them. I mean, there's still kids on the team who, good relationship like you but they're not itching to get on a one-on-one call i just think there's there's just a lot there and so um but i think that's the biggest reason negative connotation and when i talk to my wife and she's always like well you got to tell coaches this and i'm like i always say like it's like this part is non-negotiable in any area of life if you don't have your mind right if your brain doesn't see the thing you're doing as an opportunity if you don't learn to train to get it in the right space you're never going to live to your highest potential. You're never going to perform to your highest potential. And I think coaches are just now starting to see it. And I do think some of it's forced um, because of Penn State. But great. I mean, Kale and them have been innovators in that space. They have literally stepped in and they've talked about things that are becoming common now, but they've went into that space and done it completely differently. And because of that, other people want to catch up. They don't like continuing to lose. 
And so other people go, what are they doing? And if you dig in, I don't know that they like people to know the stuff that's going on kind of inside, but everybody starts to think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, and, no, so, no, they hate it. and so <laughs> every, but, but when you start to look at it, you know there's something different. And then you start to figure out they do have a, a, a woman there who's working with their guys consistently. And it doesn't take long to figure out. And, and they know that this part is non-negotiable. And so when you see them just excelling and thriving in big moments, the, they're not they're not wrestling the same match as everybody else. They're not no. seeing it the same way. It's completely different. They're like, what, they're like, yeah. So, you know, the, the NCAA tournament is broken up into, into six different sessions. I, I'm actually curious and curious enough to actually sit down and do the back work on it. Mm -hmm. I, they are so lights out. Yeah. Sessions four and six, semifinals and finals. Yeah. I would venture to say they're the best in history. And it yeah. might come, you know, might be rivaled by, by, you know, John had a, a nice little streak there in the early 2000s and it might be rivaled yeah. by Gable in the, in the 80s. But mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think anybody's ever really come close to this. Yeah. And, and you won't unless, you start to dig into this space because when you, when you understand the space, what you know is that these moments come with call it pressure. I quotation marks because it's like, you don't, it doesn't have to be that, but if you don't work in the right space, you're going to get to those moments and you're going to go, you're not going to control your mind. It's going to be looking around at the crowd and it's going, Oh my gosh, what if I lose? It's the biggest match of my life. And if you're thinking that and they're over there breathing and calming their brain and they're like, man, I'm grateful. What a cool moment. I mean, tell me who's going to win almost every time every time and so it comes down to what are you doing on a daily basis to ritualize certain habits to get your brain in a certain spot to learn to value certain things that free you up versus tightening you up and they've they've mastered that to a certain extent and so the work that i do is i i don't i don't need to know everything about what kale's doing i i respect kale i i wrestled on a team with him in high school and and really liked the guy but like what we're trying to do at Cal Poly is come over here and say, how do we put together a system that allows our guys to operate at an extremely, extremely high level, mentally incredibly strong. So in big moments, they see opportunity. They want to seize that. They want to go out. They want to wrestle. And it's not easy. It's a difficult thing to do with guys. But if you can learn that, um, it's magic. And, and John and I were talking about that. Some of the shifts that they've been making right now seem like magic. If you watch mid-season to the end, and John has done – a tremendous job with this it's it's crazy the shifts that they've been able to make but at the middle of it there's some really really important lessons that are being reinforced and most people would never look at it and say oh that's what happened i mean it's just in so it's these things it's where your focus goes and what they're focused on is some very very unique focal points to free their guys up and it, that's what it all comes down to focus and in our society, we don't focus well. I mean, the average attention span is now eight seconds. It's shorter than a goldfish. We are human beings. Like we have prefrontal cortex and you wouldn't know it based on the way that we're behaving. But we do have that capacity to, to learn to calm ourselves, to learn to embrace these moments. And um, that's what we're trying to do at Cal Poly. Give these guys a chance to go out and do that. I'm curious. You're saying things like prefrontal cortex. Yeah. How much does traditional science and psychology go into you know effectively addressing an athlete's mindset a lot can we a lot. can i butt in for one second we call it the physiology of shit in the bed 
Okay. <laughs> and, and and like there is a a mental block that happens. And, sure. and obviously you can see And it's something in your brain. It, there's yeah, there and yes, a tremendous amount athletes respond incredibly well when you break down and you tell them what proper breathing, nasal breathing does in their brain. They respond incredibly well. When you break that down and you talk through and you say, hey, did you know that you actually have a mechanism in your body that can literally reset your nervous system? So when you're at a tournament and you start to feel tight, that if you ritualize and use this, it's going to reset that so you don't have to feel those nerves. If you talk to them about, hey, you know, you know when you're at a tournament and your hands are really cold and you can't think clearly and you're jittery and you feel this pounding in your chest, you say, what's actually happening in your brain are physiological changes that come down to, um, we talked about their, again, where they're controlling their focus. A lot of times our breathing changes. And so there are changes in our brain when we get nervous and we don't control that and it is controllable, but when our brain starts to wander and we go, Oh my gosh, if we start to lose this match, well, guess what happens? There's adrenaline there, but all of a sudden when our focus is wrong, that adrenaline starts to turn into a fear response. That's a fight or flight response. In your brain, your brain is going threat. And when your brain goes threat, all of a sudden your brain in certain parts start to shut down. Most people don't realize in your body, when you handle those things wrong, your, your digestive, systems, digestive system shuts down. I know some athletes who will be throwing up at tournaments. There's a reason why their nerves have gone too far. Digestive systems shuts down. Prefrontal cortex shuts down. Why? Because your brain's going, oh my gosh, there's a threat. It thinks there's a grizzly bear in front of you when there is not. It's responding as if you're being attacked. And so this part of creativity and, and tapping into our highest potential, it like disappears because there's no blood flow to that. And so what we're teaching guys to say, hey, that flow state that you want to be in, we need some of that in your prefrontal cortex. That's what helps you tap into some of your highest like training you've been doing. And so, um, so you asked the question unequivocally, Sharp athletes at a place like Cal Poly, if you walk in and you say, just do this, they're going to go, I don't know if I want to. Like, they're not dumb. But if you say, hey, 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 do you like the way that you feel before tournament? Sure don't. Do you want to be competing? I'm uh, not sure that I do. And this is unanimous on other teams that I wrestle with. A lot of guys, they don't like competition. But when you break down that they have a capacity to reset their nervous system and get their brain back in a better spot, when they start to work the breathing and they notice wow, this works. When you combine that, you've taught them and they start to experience it. These dudes want to work it all the time. And so, yeah. And so we absolutely teach that. I want them to know that when they go to competition and they're about three matches out and their straps go up, their nervous system is, there's adrenaline dropping in your bloodstream, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. If we use it right, you can tap into your body's potential to like have better strength, better endurance. Our focus gets better. Our eyesight gets better. So we want them to know that. So when that time comes, they can put the straps on and go, oh, my body's getting ready to go. My body's getting ready to do this at a high level while the rest of the country is going, oh my gosh, I must be scared. I must be fearful. I must not be prepared. We want these guys doing that. And so we explain everything. They're sharp. And the more that you explain it, the more they understand it, the more they're willing to buy into it. So yeah, we want them to understand what's going on in their body because then they can make a note of when that's happening. They know what's happening. Okay. Um, you're sitting down having a cup of coffee with an old school wrestling coach. <laughs> old school. And you're explaining some of the things you do to him and he just thinks it's a bunch of bonk. 
<laughs> oh, these boys just got to go out and wrestle. They're fine. They do. Yeah. Okay. Do you even bother to explain any further to him? Or do you just go, all right, man, cool. And, and you walk away. Because I think that there's yeah. value in really puncturing yeah. the, the, the armor of these old school wrestleheads that there's not that it's not just high crotches, man. Like everyone's yeah. got a good single A. Yeah. Well, I would say, you know, context wise, if I'm at a tournament and some coach introduces me and they say, oh, man, the work's been amazing that they're doing. And this guy's like, oh, I don't believe in that. That's ridiculous. And just stuff is stupid. If they dug in too much, I might walk on and 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 find somebody else. But if I was really going to sit down, I mean, to me, even an old school school guy, if they want their guys to get better, what you can start with, don't dig in with the emotions. Don't talk to them about freeing pains. Talk to them about things that they can do to maximize their performance. Did you know, coach? Like, and then maybe maybe this coach would say, I don't I don't listen to this type of stuff. But did you know, coach, that? just by breathing you can actually maximize vo2 max your guys can wrestle longer they can wrestle harder you can train them harder did you know by teaching them that that they can increase their focus they're less likely to have their nerves overtake them i think probably what i would break down is just teach them just basic just talk to them about basic breathing mechanisms and how it helps them train more recover better if i got a dude who doesn't care about that then no i'm not gonna press further because then they don't care about performance but you give me an old school coach who's like hey I want to be better, man. There's some very, very simple things that you can do to be better. And, um, and so with, with, with all guys though, if you're talking to them and you get to know them, you can find an angle of something that matters to them. Then you just, you need to find a way to attach that. If he's saying, Oh man, I'm getting tired of this athlete, man. He goes out in competition every time he wets the bed, then, Oh, well, Hey coach, did you know that maybe there is actually some simple things that you can do to help them. And I've seen this before. You give the kid, you talk to the kid, you give the kid some simple things and all of a sudden they start to create change. Maybe coach listens then, but um, I don't know if they're, they're too hardcore Then maybe there's nothing I can do. I'm not a person who walks around trying to get people to do everything I'm doing. Cause like normal people, they would be like, like if I'm at an RV park in the keys right now. If I go down to the hot tub right now and I start talking to them about centering themselves, they're down there drinking beers. They're going to say, bro, like get up on out of here, man. I don't want to hear that nonsense. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to try to talk them into it. But if they start talking to me about one of their grandkids or kids who have tremendous amounts of anxiety and are struggling with their, their athletics, their academics, I I'll talk to them about that. I said, did you know, like, did you know that and this is crazy. This is cool to me. I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to this stuff, but I love talking to John about this stuff. I said, did you know that most people just walk around breathing through their mouth and they don't realize that that physiologically is a breathing mechanism that can cause anxiety? Mm -hmm. The reason why when we breathe through our mouths, it mostly goes in our upper chest and in our upper chest, there are two receptors up here. And when you're not breathing in lower, it's massaging those. Those actually turn on your sympathetic nervous system. For somebody who doesn't know what that is, that's anxiety and stress. And I once talked to a team and, and the athlete, the, the, the kid goes, my coach told me that I'm supposed to breathe with my chest out. And he, are you saying that's wrong? And I'm saying that is the unequivocally wrong. That is horrible advice. That's just not good advice. Like we yeah. don't need to puff anything out. In fact, let your abs go away. Breathe deeper, breathe through your nose. There's so many benefits to it. But when you breathe deeper with a, with a, with a deeper cadence, there's multiple benefits, but you get deeper into your lungs. There are receptors in your lower lungs. And when you learn to breathe that way, it massages them. Those turn on parasympathetic. So you can learn to breathe, just change your breathing pattern. 
and you can center your nervous system. Why is that important? Well, if you can't sleep the night before a tournament, I, we can give you a breathing mechanism that'll help you sleep just fine by turning your parasympathetic off so your brain's not looking for crap all the time. We can help you in the morning before the tournament so your nervous system isn't on and draining you so you're exhausted for the semifinals. And so um, there are things, I'll get talking too much about this, but yeah, no, there, there are definitely things that you can talk to with people. And I think it's all about finding what it is, their pain points. When people come to me and say, my kid is depressed, can you help? Well, I'm going to tailor that conversation based on how we can help them right away. How would you find a, a high school coach uh, who doesn't have a background in psychology or physiology? Um, what recommendations would you have for him that you think would have the biggest impact? Um, I would think there, there's kind of two pieces. I, the thing I do, I always start with there's, there's easy recommendations in terms of Kale has made it super easy to say, you know, gratitude is a really, really important thing that you should be working on. You can always start there. I personally always start with breath work. And the reason why I start with breath work is like, listen, if we can't control what's going on in your mind, what are we going to do with gratitude? Like if our brain's bouncing all over the place, if we're, if we get nervous in big moments, it doesn't matter if you're fearful in big moments, you can tell yourself you're grateful all you want. It's not going to work. And so a lot of times with coaches, I say, I just talk to them about it. And these are people who are primed. They want to be better. They want to advance their teams. What we try to do is just help them give some, teach them about some basic breathing mechanisms, the power of nasal breathing and how it gathers nitric oxide, takes it to your lungs, opens up capillaries, maximizes your performance it filters out germs like just these things and it and it, it builds focus it centers nervous system we'll just start talking about that and all connected to what that means in performance but a lot of times what i'd like to do is just help them give them basic breathing patterns and just try it for yourself you know just try it i always like to get if i'm going to work with a team i need coaches who are willing to do it too but a lot of times i start with that i say we have to build your guys ability to focus we have to give them the capacity um to control what they're focusing on when they get to competition how to reset their nervous system so a lot of times that that's what i start with it's not flashy but it's the foundation to me for everything if you can learn and really it's meditation if you can learn to meditate and get control of your mind the things we can do is phenomenal like i'm doing some work with adam kemp and i don't think you'll mind me saying this and adam told me um yesterday on a call he says i'm like making like way better decisions he's like i'm just more mindful of like saying the right things in moments knowing when i'm not supposed to say things and 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 adam's such a good dude like you'd go oh, but like I me mean, all of us have these moments in our day where we're maybe not making our full potential type decisions but he said since he started to meditate consistently he's making sound decisions he's feeling better he's getting more excited about competing um and it's that's what happens and so if you can go into that space and what i talk to people about is there's really three skill sets that you have to master in this space number one is just a basic nasal breathing pattern really really important for performance two is learning to relax a lot of us don't realize this but athletes even the best athletes go into big moments and they tighten in their biceps in their back in their necks like they are their cheekbones they tighten and when you're tightening what that means is your nervous system is kicked on and so that's a heavy resource intensive system. If we can learn to breathe and relax and stay loose, that means we can conserve energy for when we're going into competition. And so learning those first two skill sets are important. The third is mindfulness. Learning to go up into this space up here 
and we give them, I give them sessions for this, go up into this space and they'll learn what's going on in their mind. And it's a wild place up there. Athletes get up there and all of a sudden, oh, it's for class. What's my girlfriend doing? What am I going to eat? It's insanely busy. And they, at first people go, oh, you got to clear it all out. That's not what we need to do right away. What we need to do is learn to notice those thoughts, stay calm, stay relaxed, and come back to breath. And you're going, Coit, that doesn't sound that profound. Imagine a kid going into the Pac-12s. And all of a sudden he's going in and he's done this exercise a bunch. And so he starts to notice like, oh, what if I'm not good enough? What if I'm not ready? But now knowing he's trained his brain to see that thing, but stay, breathe, stay relaxed. It's no big deal. He doesn't attach to it. He can now just go, nope, no thanks. And then focus on saying, hey, let's go out and wrestle hard. Let's go out and get out there and do it. So like those foundations to me are so powerful. And when they learn these skill sets, then when we need to go deeper and figure out like triggers and unwind them, it's the same skill set. And so that's what I try to do. And, and coaches are like creative coaches or, or proactive coaches are pretty open to this stuff. Like they're, it's not, it's not 20 years ago. If I would tried this 20 years ago, it's a no, but coaches, if you go in and you say, we've got a breathing cadence that will maximize, increase their, their, their VO2 max, um, reduce their sickness, um, help them calm and center their nervous system. Most, most coaches are like, yeah, yeah, please. Like, tell me how to do that. Like, and you start to tell them, hey, you know, when they get tight in big matches, they go into the third period and they're tightening up. This will help them stay loose, stay composed. Coaches are like a hard yes on that type of stuff. So I think that that to me is one of the first things you can always start with gratitude. There's other pieces you can do. But I think the foundation starts from getting control of what's going on up here. That's fair. Um, let's bring it down to the grassroots, shall mm -hmm. we? My, yes. so I didn't know. <clears throat> I didn't know a lot of the things that you just said. I just learned a tremendous amount in the last thirty-nine minutes. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing, though. I did know that breath work is extremely important, and if it's if nothing else, um, just kind of honing in. Uh, yeah. that's the way I kind of. So I, I do that with my son. Mm -hmm. He gets. Um, most kids get butterflies before they wrestle. Yep. You get yep. pterodactyls. Um, so <laughs> we talk about it, but we talk about it. It's like, dude, what do you, like, who cares? Like, it, this is a stupid wrestling match. Like, it's not the big of a deal, right? Yep. And so we talk about breath work and we do, we do breathing exercises when he's in the hole, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, two minutes in through the nose, out through the mouth, um, and then a hold for about a, a minute or so. Mm -hmm. um, and that hold, you kind of just mm -hmm. just look and, and, okay, what are we what are we focusing on? Yeah. Okay, but he's also a 15-year-old boy that yeah. feels, I don't know, foolish, silly, embarrassed, ashamed, whatever, to be going through ritualistic, you know, um, uh, uh, breath work with his dad while everyone yeah. else is like mean mugging and growling. Hey, and yeah. How, how do you address the, like, I feel kind of silly doing that. Yeah. Well, what, what you do is, I mean, first off, what I always say is like every athlete needs to know exactly what is, what it is they're doing, the benefits of what it is they're doing. They have to want it. Like if you're giving somebody something and saying, let's work through it, and they are not seeing the clear benefits of it, knowing the clear benefits of it, wanting it, then you're fighting an uphill battle. They basically have to associate so much pleasure with the thing that eventually they don't give a rip who's watching. 
So there's work that has to be done ahead of times. I always tell people there's the habit that's important. Okay. People know that um, breath work is good. People know that mindfulness is good. People know that gratitude is good. We know those things. But have they sat down and truly owned the benefits? Have they looked at it and said, wow, this is amazing. I, I don't start a habit. I say, hey, don't do this because I tell you to do it. Like you have to want this for you. And when they finally do, I take them through like I call it the three P's. We sit down and the first P is priming. I have them sit down and say, you need to go out and look at the benefits. What are the benefits of this? Like research the basics of breath. Go and find like three benefits that are like, wow, I'd love to do that. Proactive athletes, when they know that it'll help them calm their nerves, dang, I mean, that's huge. They have to believe it, but it calms their nerves, sharpens their focus. Like, I mean, if you, if they know that and they know the benefits, what it does is it makes their brain see it as an opportunity. Your brain, your, your son may be looking at it going, oh shoot, like I'll do it, but it feels more like an obligation. And so first up to, to, you know, it's interesting, and I, I'm sorry to cut you off, but it, but it is, it's really, I got to kind of interject that he knows he performs better, Like he yeah. sees a very direct correlation between, yeah. oh, I, I wrestled better, but I think he's still a, a bit hesitant to do it. And uh, the way it doing, looks. Yeah. 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 Well, here, here's the thing though. If he comes at it, he knows the benefits. He wants it. The first thing I would do is empower him to create that ritual on his own. I, I mean, that's the one thing with the Cal Poly guys. We don't just start, we don't just start this at the tournament. These dudes have hundreds of days in on their own and they've gotten to the point where they own it. Why do they own it? Because they've looked at the benefits. They want the benefits. They've experienced it. But these dudes, we start by just saying, hey, we need to find a way to get a five minute session in each day. And so the first P is priming. What are the benefits of the things that you want? Knowing those benefits. The second P is plan. Can you create a plan that you know you can work and have success with that's exciting for you? So I don't force guys to do it in the morning. I love it first thing in the morning. It sets the tone. It calms me right off the bat. It gets me clear, gets me ready for my day. But some athletes like to do it to help them sleep. Some like it right before practice. Some like it after practice. Bernie Truax likes it midday to help him recharge for his afternoon. Everybody's different, but you have to have a plan. And I don't tell people they need to start with 30 minutes of meditation. They don't. It can be 10 breaths. Like it's science has shown three breaths can help you. So if they're really not on board, if we need to start smaller, then we start smaller. So, but we've got our plan. And so for some guys, it'll look like this. Oh man, I'm so, the, the priming is like, wow, like to calm my nerves. So in big moments, I can, I can go out there and thrive to be able to sharpen my focus. So I'm focused on the right things and excel to lower anxiety in my day to day. They're like, I want it. Okay. And then they're like, all right, I'm going to do it before practice. Cause I think that'd be really cool to hone that for matches. And I'm just going to do 10 breaths. Or I'm going to do a five minute session, which I give them this, the five minute session to work. That's the second thing. The third thing that's super, super important. This teaches them to love it because I do not want a situation where these guys are coming in and they're going, Oh, I have to do this habit again. That's what most of us do. Wrestling is a sport where we just do it. We grind through it. I don't want them grinding through it. I don't want them to be, feel like an obligation. I want it to feel like an opportunity. So we've already primed it. We have a plan where we, we can succeed. And then we come along and we associate as much pleasure as we can with it. That's the third P is pleasure. This might sound weird. And it does to some of the guys at the beginning. When they finish, what we tell them is something they do to celebrate. I call it celebrate plus, plus credit. A fist pump, uh, a flex, raise the roof. You don't have to do it around anybody. They all It's just a smile. It can be anything. But we celebrate it. And then we go back and we go, yep, that's a step closer 
to being that composed person in big moments. We try to associate pleasure with it. Why? You won't see all the benefits right away with something like breath work or gratitude. It will take time to create a neural pathway in your brain. But if they can drum up that excitement for it and build that, what happens, there's two things that happen when you celebrate credit. One is if you move your body physiology wise, your brain goes, oh, that's good. What caused that? When we move our body in certain ways, there's a reaction in our body. When you're depressed, you shoulders slump, heads down, body responds. But if we clap and we do something like this, I like to go, like it's weird, no question. But when I finish like a good day of coaching, I'm like, mm, that's it. My brain goes, oh, that was good. What caused it? Oh, that effort you just put into coaching. Let's do more of that. But that crediting what I do, oh man, that's a step closer to the coach I want to be. And that's a step closer to being calming the moments. It's building confidence, associating pleasure, building confidence. So when we come back to your son, if he has the right plan in place and he has to buy into those pieces, I can't convince him to do any of it. But if he buys into it and he starts working it, he goes, holy crap, like that breathing thing. I did it for my exam and it calmed me. And I was able to thrive. Oh, shoot, man. I wanted to go ask this girl out and I hit some breath work and I followed through on it. Mm. Like these guys will work it. And when they work it, they'll go, oh, my goodness. It works. And then because it's been set up right, you don't even have to sit there with your son because guess what? Your son's probably not going to want to do it with you at his age. Like my kids, I know this stuff. They're like, no, dad, how, how about no? I'm not going to listen to that. But if they learn it, these guys on Cal Poly's team, if you watch them, if you were to follow them around in the beginning, even John says, you'll see them at the beginning, headphones on, laying down in their own space, hitting their meditation, their own way. Bernie, Trevor, all these guys have their own ways of going about it. I don't, I can't force them to do anything, but they have their own rituals. Once they know the benefit of it, and maybe autonomy is what your son needs, is his ability to learn it and be able to go off on his own because he's a teenager. But yeah. if he can go out in the back and do it, know the benefits, then you might have something special there. So if you get to buy in, you know, the, the kids start working on it. Um, I know you mentioned it can take some time. Uh, what are some key mm -hmm. indicators to, to see that, hey, my athletes are moving in the right direction? Well, I, th I think, you know, there's, there's probably depending on the habit, like there's different things that you'll see. But it, when it comes to the, to the breath work, almost like really quick in the first week, if they're consistent, they'll go, oh yeah, like I'm, I can notice the difference in my day to day. Like I feel calmer. Like there's not an athlete who works this stuff who goes, ah, it just didn't work. Like it's not, it's a physiology. Like, they just don't. That's, this stuff is for the birds. They're like, oh, it just doesn't work. I'm like, and if, if somebody came into it and they're like, oh, this crap is stupid. Then yeah, like your mind will probably make sure it doesn't work. But when they're open to it, when they work it, it works. The issue is that it's very difficult to get guys right out of the bat to just rock it out every day. And here's why, because a lot of times they'll go out and if I, we don't prime it and set it up right, they'll go out and they'll work like 10 days straight. And they'll say nothing to their brains, not a single thing, not a congrats, not a good job, nothing. And then they'll get to day 10 and they'll sleep in. And you know what they do on day 10 when they sleep in? They pile it on. It's ridiculous. I should never miss. Now I'm not going to win a national title. They associate pain with that thing. And then their brain wants to avoid it. And so if we set it up right and they work it right, they will almost always come back and go, wow, like the next week, like I feel so much better. Like I've got a high school kid I'm working with out of Ohio and we haven't been working together for like six weeks, really. Right. And he's already told me, he said, last year at this tournament, I threw up at this tournament. I said, how do you feel this year? Good. No nerves at all. Felt great. Except for like matches before. It's, it's one of those things. Like if you work it consistently, 
it's just like a really, really good wrestling move, like a high-level wrestling move that you can grab that two-on-one, hit your double, finish your double. When you hone that thing and you learn to trust it and you know how to do it, you can take it into those big moments and use it. And so um, you can notice right away, I'm not in their brain. So I can't, I can't tell you that, but I could tell you, you could talk to a lot of guys on probably Cal Poly's team and they would go and you ask them how they'd know. They said, well, I feel calmer before matches. I can sleep the night before the day that the, the, the day of, I feel calm until we get into those final phases. And I think what's happening is you just, you see that, but I, right away guys will say, oh man, I used it for my exam. Or I used it when I was in traffic. Like you see a, a benefit right away. But I will say this, and it's not something you guys don't know. The real magic is the consistency over months. Then it's like everything starts to change. The way they process for practice, the way they on the back end are seeing things. Things change a lot. And science backs this up. Like in eight weeks, if you just do breath work for eight weeks consistently, like a five-minute, ten-minute session, science has shown that in eight weeks, your amygdala, which is your fight-or-flight fear mechanism in your brain, shrinks significantly. And at the same time, your prefrontal cortex gets thicker. Why does that matter? Oh, that fearful mechanism that keeps triggering you, it just shrunk. And at the same time, this part that is impulse control, your creativity, your highest potential, it got stronger. When you take that and you make that shift, what it looks like in real time is guys able to be more calm coming into practice, more composed in practice, less reactive in practice. Um, but I will say this, like, again, and this is why I love working with Cal Poly, when the real magic is taking place is when John is taking concepts and dropped into practice and they're doing it every day. That's really cool. But yeah, that's, that's it. The magic. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Because now all of a sudden the, the breath work, the, um, the I, for me, it's word association, right? You're not, mm -hmm. you're not nervous. You're excited. There's, yep. it's the same physiological response. Let's call it what it is. Right. Yep. But when, but if you only hear it from Coit or you only hear it from, you know, we yeah. got Mike Moore working with our guys. If you only hear it then, well, then it's, it's, uh, we're, we're not valuing it as much as we say we are, yeah. right? Because we all decided that it, it's 90% of the sport, right? Mm -hmm. Well, if we're only doing it 3%, 7%, 10% of the time, well, what the heck good is it, right? Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I got to get running here. Thank you so much for coming on, man. I you bet, really, man. really do appreciate it. We're definitely going to have to sit down and talk again really, really soon. So thank hey, you cool. so much, brother. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thanks, guys. It's been awesome, man. I appreciate the work you guys do. Wait, how can everyone find you? Uh, I, I joke with people. I said, listen, I'm the only Coit Cooper in the world. Um, as long as you don't misspell the, the Coit and make it Coyote, you're good. It's C-O-Y-T-E. Cooper, you can find me on social media on my website. Um, so pretty, pretty simple. Sounds great. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank Thanks, you, brother. Appreciate Thanks, it. Guys.